Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman. And this week's episode is another listener question. And it's a question that I get asked all the time. What about fruit? Meaning, Netta, do you eat fruit? There seems to be some kind of mystery about whether or not someone who says they're sugar-free eats fruit. So I'll be answering this question in just a minute. And this week's episode is brought to you by the After Sugar Club, which is where you'll get the step-by-step guidance you need from me to help you let go of sugar and the emotional hold it has on you so that you can get to a place of freedom where you don't even need, want or miss it anymore. So that you can break free from sugar for good and make your intermittent fasting lifestyle easy and natural. That's aftersugarclub.com and click on the green button, join the club. And if you're an intermittent faster, then I have five tips for you to help you get rid of cravings that may be getting in the way of you living your easy and natural intermittent fasting lifestyle. Go to aftersugarclub.com and download my five tips there. And if this is your first time here, welcome. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that it appears magically in your podcast player every Sunday. And if you've listened to several episodes before and you haven't yet left a review, could I ask you to scroll down, please, and rate the podcast and leave a lovely review to tell me how this podcast is helping you in your life after sugar. Has it inspired you to reduce sugar? Has it made you think about sugar a little bit differently? Let me know. I love reading your reviews. Thank you. All right, so why are people so interested in whether or not I eat fruit? Well, maybe it's because fructose in fruit is a type of sugar and people think that if you say that you're sugar-free, that you eat absolutely no source of sugar whatsoever. And I mean, there are some people who eat like that, mostly people who identify themselves as carnivore, but it's not the case for me. So before we go any further... The short answer to this question is yes, yes, Netta eats fruit. Whether or not you eat fruit is entirely up to you. And I often say that I eat as much fruit as I want, as often as I want. And it's pretty much the same with sugar. I eat as much sugar as I want, as often as I want. But you know what? Not many people bother to stop and ask me how much or how often that means. So here's the deal. Where sugar is concerned, I mean refined sugar, as I say, I eat as much as I want, as often as I want. 
which means for me, neta, zero. I don't ever want any and I don't ever eat any. And I haven't since July 2015. And where fruit is concerned, I don't want to eat a lot of it and some days I don't want to eat any fruit. Why? Because I don't necessarily need to be looking for sweet tastes anymore and therefore I'm not always looking for fruit or date puree or sweetness in general from any source. And believe me, it's not a question of willpower or some kind of moral strength within me. It really isn't. It's just that over time, I've lost the taste for sweetness and the need for sweetness. I found the real sweetness in my life. So when I say that I eat as much as I want, as often as I want, that doesn't mean all the time and every day, right? But I like to answer that way just to get people thinking, you know? So if you're asking this question to me, Netta, because you're interested in whether or not I eat fruit, then you have your answer. But if you're asking this question as some kind of permission or with the hopes of being like me, then please don't. I won't give permission or take permission away for you to eat anything. And if you do need someone to tell you exactly what to eat, then you're probably better off going to see a nutritionist or a dietitian, because as far as I know, that's their job. But it isn't mine. And I don't want to be some sort of example or guru about what to eat or what not to eat either. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Don't be like me. Be like you. All right, so let's have a closer look at fruit and the sugar in fruit. So a type of sugar found in fruit is called fructose. And it's naturally present in pretty much all types of fruit. But there's a huge difference between the naturally occurring fructose in fruit and the industrially created fructose in products like sugar and high fructose corn syrup. But because fructose is found in both fruit and unnatural sources like high fructose corn syrup, it can be a bit confusing for us consumers. I don't know if you know, but fructose is a type of simple sugar that makes up 50% of table sugar or sucrose. It's one molecule of fructose and one molecule of glucose. But the thing with fructose is that it needs to be converted into glucose by the liver before it can be used by the body for energy. And the other thing about fructose is that unlike glucose, it doesn't cause such a high rise in blood sugar levels, which is why a lot of health professionals recommend fructose as a safe sweetener for people with type 2 diabetes. Now, chemically speaking, the molecule of fructose in table sugar or sucrose is exactly the same as in fruit. But the thing is, we don't eat molecules, we eat food. And basically the fructose in fruit comes wrapped up in a real whole food and the fructose in sugar or high fructose corn syrup or whatever other type of industrially created sugary product, well, that fructose 
has been industrially engineered into those products. There's nothing natural about these products. And even if the molecular structure of fructose is exactly the same in fruit as it is in, say, high fructose corn syrup, there's a huge difference in eating fructose in real whole foods and eating fructose sneakily hidden in these unnatural processed products, not just because of all the other ingredients, but also because of the quantity of fructose that we end up eating because it's hidden in the ingredients of all those thousands of processed sugary products. So even those who may eat two or three pieces of fruit per day aren't eating too much fructose, especially if they're not consuming fructose from any other type of source, notably sugar. So I know that since keto came along, there's been a lot of discussion about the sugar content in different types of fruit. And you can see charts about the sugar content in fruit all over the internet. With, for example, at the top of the list of the most sugary fruits being grapes, banana, mango, pineapple, kiwi fruit. And then at the bottom of the list, fruit like lime and lemon, avocado, strawberries, blueberries, blackberries and raspberries, for example. Now, I personally am really not very good at maths. So I don't waste any time figuring out the number of grams of sugar in different types of fruit or, quite frankly, any other type of food. But if it's something that interests you, you'll find lots and lots of information on the internet about how many grams to the tenth of a gram of sugar there is in different types of fruit. Fruit doesn't just contain natural sugars. It also includes lots of vitamins and minerals as well as water and fiber. And I would add, as long as you're eating a whole piece of fruit, you know, chewing it rather than whizzing it up in a blender into either a smoothie or juice and either getting rid of the fiber or disintegrating it into a liquid form that can really stop its primary job of slowing down the absorption of the sugars and helping you feel fuller longer. And call me lazy, but I've never really understood why people make smoothies thinking that it's quicker than eating a whole piece of fruit. I mean, you have to actually prep the fruit, wash it, chop it up, whiz it up, and then wash the blender. No, thank you. I'd rather just have one piece of fruit and spend my energy chewing it. And sugar in liquid form is absorbed so much faster by the body, even from natural fruits. In fact, fruit juice is what the World Health Organization calls free sugar in the same category as white sugar because it contains none of the fiber or very, very little of the original fruit. Sure, throughout the 12,000 years or so since humans first developed agriculture, the foods we eat now have undergone drastic transformations, including fruit. So, for example, the peach, several hundred years ago, looked more like a cherry and tasted more earthy or even sour and certainly not as sweet as it tastes today. And the wild bananas from a few thousand years ago bear no resemblance to the bananas we have today, both in look and in taste. 
and in the amount of sugar they have. I just want to take a quick break to introduce you to my partner for this podcast, Medicine with Heart, which is an international functional medicine clinic specializing in difficult chronic cases of hormone imbalance, Lyme disease, mold illness, and digestive dysfunction. You can sign up for a consultation with their team to see if they can help reverse your disease. Find out more about them at medicinewithheart.com. Now, you may choose organic fruit over non-organic, but did you know that not all fruit needs to be organic? For some types of fruit, it doesn't really make that much difference if they're organic or not. For example, according to the Environmental Working Group, or EWG, avocados don't need to be organic because their thick outer skin prevents pesticides from touching the edible fruit. And it's similar for cantaloupe and grapefruit, also kiwi and mangoes. Did you know that there exists a list of the dirty dozen, which is actually 12 of the most pesticide-prone fruits and vegetables? According to the 2022 list, the fruits and vegetables that we should be consuming organic are strawberries, spinach, kale, collard and mustard greens, nectarines, apples, grapes, bell and hot peppers, cherries, peaches, pears, celery and tomatoes. Now one of the reasons why I don't particularly want to eat fruit that often is because of the sweet taste. And there's nothing wrong with sweet tastes, it's just that over the years as I've eaten less and less sweetness, I've lost the taste for sweetness and quite frankly, sweet foods don't taste good to me anymore. Or rather, my taste buds have become so sensitive to sweetness that it really doesn't take much to overwhelm them. And because I live in northeastern Canada, well, you can imagine that we don't get that many types of fruit growing naturally around here when we have seven months of snow. <laughs> so I've looked and looked, but I've not seen any pineapple or kiwi or bananas or mangoes growing here, which means that all these types of fruits have to be imported. So if I do decide to eat some fruit, I'd rather eat fruit that's local, like apples or blueberries or strawberries. And my family and I, we love to travel. So when I am in a country where there are these different types of fruit, I love to taste them because they really don't taste the same as up here once they've been sitting around in a warehouse for weeks. And it's one of my great pleasures to eat a slice of mango or a couple of chunks of pineapple or the local fruits of the country that we're visiting. But again, it doesn't take a huge quantity for my taste buds to be satisfied, so a little goes a long way. A lot of people may wonder, Neto, if you don't eat a lot of fruit, aren't you going to have a vitamin C deficiency? Well, you'd be surprised to learn that actually there are better sources of vitamin C than, say, oranges. And actually, lacto-fermented sauerkraut, as well as being an excellent source of probiotics, is also rich in vitamin C and iron. And actually, 
Lacto-fermented sauerkraut played an important role in helping prevent scurvy throughout the 16th century all the way to the 19th century on sailing ships around the world. The sailors took barrels of lacto-fermented sauerkraut onto their ships and they ate that during their voyages of discovery and that is what helped them avoid scurvy because the fermented sauerkraut gave them the ascorbic acid or the vitamin C. And because the sailors came from relatively northern countries where oranges don't grow, at a period in history where imported fruits weren't a thing like they are today, well, it was much easier to have sauerkraut along for the ride than oranges. Plus, when you lacto-ferment cabbage into sauerkraut, it preserves it for a long time. So they were able to eat it all through those long voyages without ever needing their vitamin C from fruit. All right, well, what about dried fruit then? Is that okay? I get asked all the time whether I eat dried fruit as a snack, and basically my answer is, um, well, I don't snack, actually. I definitely used to. And now that I think back on it, I did used to snack on dried fruit because I used to think that it was much better than snacking on candy. And I suppose, in a way, it is. I mean, it all depends what you're comparing things to, right? But actually, if I think back and count the number of dried fruit I would eat, like dried apricots or prunes, you know, because I was trying to help my digestion, I could eat the equivalent of half a dozen of these fruit. And that is a lot of sugar, especially as being dried, the absence of water concentrates the sugar in the fruit. So not only are you eating more of the fruit, but you're also eating more of the concentrated sugar. So for example, one cup of raisins has 116 grams of sugar and a cup of grapes, which haven't been dried into raisins, has about 15 grams of sugar. Plus, we consumers need to watch out for added sugars with dried fruits because some dried fruits, like cranberries, are quite tart in taste, so sugar or fruit juices are often added during the drying process so that the resulting craisins, for example, can be sold as a snack. Basically, before the mass production of refined sugar, including products like high fructose corn syrup, people rarely consumed fructose in high amounts. And now, we eat pounds and pounds of it every year. And because the liver is the only organ that can metabolize fructose, it can become overloaded pretty fast. And what happens then? I can tell you what can happen because it happened to me. So back in 2015, before I cut sugar, I went for my annual doctor's appointment and got some routine blood work done. When my results came back, my ALT score was four times what it should be. Now, I had no idea what ALT even meant, but when I read up about it, I found out that it's a specific marker for liver inflammation and it's typically elevated in individuals with a fatty liver. Now, my doctor never actually diagnosed me with having a fatty liver because I stopped sugar before he could. And why did stopping sugar make a difference? Well, as I mentioned before, the liver is the only organ that can metabolize fructose. 
And if it receives more fructose than it can handle, then it stores the excess as visceral fat, which means fat around the organs, and in this case, the liver. And I was one of those skinny on the outside, fat on the inside people, because I was relatively slim, but my liver showed signs of being a fatty liver. And biologically speaking, that's not very good. But only a few short months after I'd cut sugar, my ALT scores were right back to normal with no more signs of a fatty liver. Is fructose the cause of a fatty liver? Well, studies suggest that high fructose intake may increase the risk of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or NAFLD and that this type of disease can lead to liver inflammation and liver damage. And sometimes it can result in a more aggressive disease called non-alcoholic steohepatitis or NASH. And that can progress to scarring of the liver, cirrhosis, liver cancer and even liver failure. So one of the things that we can do to prevent or reverse a fatty liver is not necessarily to stop eating fructose in fruit, but to stop eating so much sugar. Because if you remember, sugar is one molecule of glucose and one molecule of fructose. One other detail about fructose is that some people don't absorb all of the fructose they eat. And this condition is known as fructose malabsorption and it's characterized by excessive gas and digestive discomfort. And in those people who do suffer from fructose malabsorption, fructose acts as a fermentable carbohydrate and it's categorized as a FODMAP. FODMAP is actually an acronym that stands for fermentable oligodimonosaccharides and polyols. But basically, FODMAPs are types of carbohydrates that are found in certain foods, including wheat and beans. And some people need to follow a low FODMAP diet so that they don't experience the digestive symptoms like gas, bloating, stomach pain, diarrhea and constipation. So fructose isn't just in fruit. It can also be found in vegetables. So here are some common foods that are high in FODMAPs, fruits like apples, apricots, blackberries, cherries, dates, figs, peaches, pears and watermelon, and vegetables like artichokes, asparagus, beetroot, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower, fennel, garlic, leeks, mushrooms, okra, onions, peas and shallots but also certain types of dairy products, legumes, wheat, and some beverages like beer. And avoiding these types of high FODMAP foods has been shown to make a huge difference if you have irritable bowel syndrome or IBS. So if you're still wondering, what about fruit? I hope this episode has reassured you that you can carry on eating fruit independently of whether I eat fruit. And if anyone's still wondering whether, because I say I'm sugar-free, it means that I eat absolutely no form of sugar whatsoever, well, now you know that I do eat forms of sugar, 
but only those that are naturally occurring in real, whole foods, like fruit. Especially whole fruit that hasn't been dried or liquidized or somehow turned into fruit products. Because fruit is full of vitamins and minerals, fiber and powerful antioxidants, and fruit is part of a varied whole food diet. And your liver can very probably handle the little bit of natural fructose in fruit, but it really wasn't designed to handle all that unnatural fructose from sugar, fruit drinks, and high fructose corn syrup, and all those other sources of sugar in the thousands of processed products that are on our supermarket shelves. And if you want some free resources about what whole real foods are, then go to my website aftersugarclub.com and click on the tab What to Eat. You'll find three videos there, one about which foods don't have added sugars, another about how to find these foods at the grocery store, and the third video is about what's the deal with fermented foods. Because these are also whole foods that look after your gut health. And gut health is central to your general health. Knowledge is power and you can use that power to make your own choices. And while you're there on the website at aftersugarclub.com, you can download your simple guide to getting more energy. Just click on the tab Simple Guide or download my five tips for getting rid of cravings. Whether you're an intermittent faster or not, cravings can really stop you from feeling free with your food. So download those five tips at aftersugarclub.com. You can also find lots of free resources on the Life After Sugar YouTube channel, the Life After Sugar Facebook page, and come and subscribe to my Instagram page at my life after sugar. That's where I put pictures of what I eat, what I do, so that you can see that it's totally possible to live a happy and fun and active life, even if you don't eat sugar. And if you're ready to dive deeper into your relationship with sugar, so that you can finally let go of the emotional hold that sugar has on you, and experience what it feels like to not like, need, or even want sugar anymore, because you found the real sweetness in your life, you can get all the personal support, guidance and accountability you need in the After Sugar Club. You can have a sneak peek inside the After Sugar Club by going to aftersugarclub.com forward slash inside dash ASC. And if it seems like a good fit for you, especially if you're an intermittent faster who's looking to reduce sugar, then join us. Go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the green button, join the club. And if this podcast is helping you see sugar differently and appreciate the joyful, liberating lifestyle of finally feeling free from sugar, then please could I ask you to scroll down and give this podcast a lovely five-star rating and leave a short review to let me know how this podcast is helping you in your life after sugar. Thank you for listening. 
That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.